0: In this episode, I speak with Sarah Heisdew, our neuroscience expert. We learn a lot about the brain, how it's wired with fear, but more importantly, she talks about how to overcome it. Let's get started.
1: Failing. 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 I know. we talk about failure. Some battles you feel like you lost. And survival. Some battles you feel like you win. It's tough. I had to make some decisions.
0: <laughs> We've all faced failure, but what steps do we take to launch ourselves into success? I'm Sarah Brown. There is life, A your dream.
1: And then what we do is,
0: and this is Failing Forward. Today we're here with Sarah Heisdew. Sarah is an expert in neuroscience and I love knowing about her background, which is she worked, you worked 15 Mm -hmm. years at Accenture, right? Mm -hmm. You got really interested in neuroscience when you were working there. So you went to the Adler School of Psychology. You had an internship with the Neuro Leadership Group. And today you have your own consulting company. Love the name. That's called Gray Matters.
1: Welcome. Yes. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. As you know, I love to talk about neuroscience. <laughs> I do know you love to talk yes. about neuroscience. Yeah. You know, um, when I was studying, I actually read this book called The Mind and the Brain. And uh, that's what really started me into the whole, I learned one thing about how the brain operated, and I realized that that's what I need to be doing, which is why I got into into the whole, left the large consulting business to start my own, to focus full-time on it. So with Gray
0: Matters, what do you focus on? So you your consulting company, what do you do?
1: So it's really all about, I coach, consult, and train the brain on how to tap into being the most best inspirational leader you can be. Love so it. soft skills, anything you can do to know your brain so you can operate better and work with it and not against it.
0: Perfect, so tell us about uh, why are we so afraid of failure?
1: yeah, so that's a big one it's It's interesting because don't we feel bad? We feel bad that I shouldn't be afraid of failure, yeah. but I the biggest thing I'd like to say is it's not you, it's your brain
0: Ooh, that that gives permission, right?
1: right. you know we we all have this very natural and innate fear of that failure because frankly, we're designed that way. so. My. You know, back in the day, our brain is extremely complex, right? And we all know this, right? There's trillions of neurons and billions of connections. There's more connections in our brain and different connections than there are atoms in the universe. And what's really interesting is to think about with all that complexity, our brain is subservient to one core organizing principle. So there's a Dr. Evian Gordon that found, and it's only been about 20 years that he discovered this, but our brain's primary function is to minimize threat and maximize reward. And you probably wonder, like, why and what does that mean? Well, back in the day, it would be you're walking across the field and you would hear a rustle on the side. And your brain was on automatic threat mode to see, are you going to have a saber-toothed tiger attacking you? So back in the day, it was literally for life and death. Now, today I know not quite the exact thing, but the brain is scanning up to five times a second. For any change in movement and threat potentially on the horizon and it's going to catalog everything as potentially threatening to you. That's amazing. I l- that Five times a second. Right, right. So I mean what does that mean today right and actually I wrote down a couple of things I thought would be kind of fun to how does that play out because obviously we don't have that same threat and danger as we had back in the day. Yeah. But let's say that you know you're walking down a street and you it's dark out you hear footsteps behind you. What do you think? Stranger, I'm gonna get attacked. Right, exactly. How about your boss swings by and he asks, "Hey, can I? Can you see me in the office? Come on over." What do you think? <sighs>
0: oh, st- stomachache! I'm in trouble.
1: Stomachache, right? Yeah, like what I do. <laughs> yeah. How about uh, if if someone sent an email and you there was a situation depicted on it that was wrong about you, yeah. and a bunch of senior leaders were copied on it? What would you feel? <sighs> Just uh, Upset, angry. Okay. Yeah. All right. And then, you know, another thing. Defensive. Defensive. Okay, sure. And if you and I throughout our time together today, let's say I dropped five different compliments about all these great things you're doing, but maybe one thing I said offended you. If you're reflecting on our time, what would you be thinking about? The one thing. Right. Right. So that's what I mean about threat. Right. So the word threat seems a little bit strange, but at the same time, our brain cannot differentiate between something that's a physical threat or a social threat, right? That first example of you're walking down a dark street and you hear footsteps, clearly that's physical, right? right. We all have that reaction of, oh my gosh, I need to check and make sure I'm safe. But those other things, they come into play are social threats, right? Someone treated you unfairly with an email that depicted wrong. Your boss comes in, you're like, oh, you assume the worst, right? right? What did I do? As opposed to me, they're gonna give you a raise, right? right. Or i give you five compliments and one potential insult you think about the insult right and so our brain is just naturally trained and it's an automatic thought and feeling right that comes yeah and deep from deep down into our core and it's been around for millions of years i
0: know you're going to get into how to manage that
1: Mm -hmm. but are some people less threat oriented than others that's such a great question i'm glad you asked me because i will say there are some people, not a lot, but there are some people that come and say, mm, not true. If a boss asked me to see in the office, I'd think, great, right? Right. Um, and, and what I'll say about that is, you either are fooling yourself, you're telling yourself that you're not upset, you think a good thing's gonna come out of it, but your natural automatic th- feeling is not that. Or the second thing, which is actually what we're gonna get into mostly, is you've trained yourself how to deal with that, okay? right? And so that's really what it's all about, is recognizing that threat feeling it's automatic, you can't stop it, but what you can do is regulate it. Okay. And you can say, even if that first, the boss example, right? and you say, oh my gosh, and you say, hold on, that's silly. Like you can sit there and let that feeling come up, but then you can logically think about it and say, I, I need to not be worried about this. I've been doing great work and there's nothing to worry about, I need to go talk to him, right? So that's something that I think the biggest thing is it's taking control, you cannot control those feelings, but what you can control is what you think about them and what you do about them. Okay. And so that's really what it is. I mean, we've got this true failure or true failure, you know, thing that we're afraid of and that's why. It's okay. Our brain is actually designed it's not me, it's my brain. Right. It's not me, it's my brain. So that helps, right? Now we've talked in the past about other things and I know we're both a fan of accepting responsibility. Yes. Right? So this sounds a little bit like, well, I'm not going to accept responsibility. It's my brain. That's not true though. You're going to accept responsibility that you've got that feeling. However, you can do something about it. Got you can. It. You cannot be a victim of what you're going to act and do, but you can just honor that feeling and know that that's what's come up and you can push past that. Okay. Okay? So that's really the biggest thing is just knowing that it's a natural orientation that every single person has. It's deep down in our brain. there's not any anyone's brain that doesn't have it, yeah. and I you know those simple little questions I asked you, I think, really show great examples of different and threats, unfortunately, in the past, they used to be large, big physical threats. yeah, but the way that our world is today, we're bombarded with social threats, probably every hour. Now, some of them are not as big as others, right? right? But it's important to know that, you know, that's something that is happening. And it's changing the way in which we're dealing with it. So, for example, if you're feeling that threat, you've used the word defensive. Yeah, I mean, so many of us are defensive. When you're feeling defensive and emotional, yeah. you're not logical. I like to look at it as in the brain, it's almost like a teeter-totter. So if you're highly emotional, you can guess that you're not going to be very logical in that moment. Right? Does that yep. make sense? Yeah. So it's really important again, I think the biggest thing you can do for yourself is to just think about that this is what I'm feeling. It's okay. Okay. And kind of move past. So that's really I mean, I think that's a fundamental driver in all of us that we need to be take not take light of, right? And we just need to really think can, about what Can that you means.
0: give us not in detail because not everybody Will be interested or understands the details details of the brain, mm-hmm. but what part of the brain does fear come from?
1: So it's actually deep down in the brainstem, which is where all of your natural motor functions, like the to keep you alive, to keep you breathing and your pulse, and it's so it's all I'm, I'm oversimplifying, right? Because there's yeah. there's some parts of the brain that are all interconnected, but it's coming from that deep piece that actually is shared with reptiles right so 500 million years old so it's something that's so innate in us um, and i mentioned there's an emotional part of the brain yes. so it's that brain stem triggers that emotional piece and that feeling comes through so
0: it's the oldest part of our brain mm-hmm. we share it ref- with reptiles yep. okay yeah. so it's very innate
1: yeah so it's not, that's why it's this innate thing now what's different and what's interesting it, with us as humans is that we also have a part of our brain, which I know a lot of these things are talked about. Neuroscience has has blossomed so much that there's something called the prefrontal cortex, the PFC, PFC. right, which is something that is what humans have, right? So reptiles don't have this, mammals don't have this. So it differentiates us from every other mammal that's out there. And that's where our logic is, right? That's where we can think and have those executive functioning. And so when I mentioned this idea of that you cannot control that feeling what you can control is that thought of the feeling, and that action, and that's done in your PFC. So the power is is you can change it. You can say, "I'm going to react differently." You can't stop that feeling. As much as that's the question that comes up, like why I should be able to monitor. It's what you started with, right? Yeah. Can I monitor that feeling? No, you can't. You just okay. have to stop and say, "Okay, that's the feeling I'm having." And the minute that you actually label that feeling and say, "Oh." I'm feeling really anxious about this. You're now getting back into your logical brain, that teeter-totter that allows you to move forward in a more productive way. Okay. Because we all know, right? If we have a strong emotion, are we going to do something that we're proud of, or maybe like send that, a text that you shouldn't send, right? Or maybe that email you like fire off one back, like this is not true, you know? And then right. Sure enough, probably what two hours later, you're like, oh,
0: why, why did, did I, I do, do that?
1: that? <laughs> totally. Okay. So that's why, right? It's because you're emotional brain has sort of taken over in that moment and if you can give it some time then that will pass
0: so so
1: kind of coming back to the whole being afraid of failing it's just a good lesson for us to say you know maybe I should I'm nervous about speaking publicly maybe I should go ahead and take that opportunity right it's just our brain is designed to kill that notion of saying oh don't do it But just push – you need to push past that feeling is, I think, the lesson, right? Right. Or maybe if you're not a good athlete and you're like, you know, I'm going to sign up for that race. Just do it, right? Because it's going to help you just push past that. And then when you actually have a success for something, your brain will learn that too and say, great, right? So is there –
0: so, you know, when you you have a fear, like let's say public speaking, Mm -hmm. after you do the public speaking, there's this exhilaration. Yes, all right, so how how is that attached yep. to the brain?
1: Yeah, so basically when you accomplish something and you have a feeling of of Accomplishment, or you're feeling thankful, you're feeling grateful. Your brain actually produces something called oxytocin. It's probably something you've heard of, and it's basically a feel-good chemical. It's the same thing that's producing your brain if you eat a piece of chocolate, is right? Or like you dopamine? eat something that you like. Or yeah, no. dopamine is no. very similar. Yeah, they're okay. both feel-good chemicals, and they literally light up your brain in a positive way that it makes you oh, you feel good, right? It's like a burst. It's almost yes. like a burst of energy. Yeah, if that makes sense. So you're exactly right. Your brain is rewarding for taking that. Your brain, you feel good about the fact that you took that. So what it's doing is it's giving you that ability to say next time remember back to how I felt once I accomplished that and maybe it wasn't perfect right maybe even if you made a couple slip-ups in that thing you you did it right yeah, you took that yeah. leap and you pushed yourself
0: so. okay so is that separate from like a fight-or-flight cortisol boost yeah yeah Do, so I don't know if that's, that's dopamine the, cortisol, I love your, whatever. yeah
1: yeah yeah so cortisol is the opposite right so when we have something you know and actually Maybe we can even jump into the second part, because I want to share this. I think there's this idea that we have this innate fear of failure, but um, I want to talk about how can you get past that, and how can you be more resilient, Okay. right? And so I really think it's important to, um, to recognize that these negative feelings happen, and I'll give, a, I'll give an embarrassing example of myself, right? Okay, okay. I- I'm sure we've all right, had this kind of, ex- of thing happen, but I've sent one of those emails Where the minute I sent it, I was like, shit, what I just send? Right. And this was, I'll I'll go back. So I worked for a large Accenture, a large consulting company. I had just gotten promoted to manager. I thought I was like a big deal. Right. Right. I now own. Right. 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 I thought I was. I own this new relationship with a client. And so it was the first time that I'm like, I own this and I'm going to make a sale. Right. So I sent this email. I was very like, I got to get this done. I sent an email. And as soon as I clicked send, I realized I had sent this estimate of what it would take to do some work. Well, I, I attached the wrong file. I included a file that included all this margin information. No. Like the, the absolute worst thing that you don't want to send your client, right? And as soon as I sent, I knew what I did. So what did I have happened, <gasps> I had this huge wave come over me right it was just this terrible and that's called the stress response is what okay. you're just asking about and so, so what the tummy happens the, or the tummy ache, tingling yes the pulsing of, you can feel the blood like pulsing through your veins you can your stomach's just this oh, terrible pit right terrible. we've all had it in some way or another and you know that's basically the stress response and what happens is your brain tells your body there's something you know terrible about happening alert. and so what it does alert is it sends it goes to your adrenal glands and it submits cortisol and adrenaline all throughout your body. And that's what you're feeling. Okay. When you have that sick feeling yes. in your stomach and you have the, vein, the the blood pulsing through your veins, what's interesting is back to that fear of failure and meant the threat is what is happening is your body is being prepared to fight or to take flight, right? That whole fight or flight, we hear that all the time. Totally. That's what's happening. So basically all of the resources, your brain has signaled, I need to have all my resources dedicated to my body now so I can either fight or take flight. Like in the time of the saber-toothed tiger, that's what made sense. But I just mentioned that now we have all these social threats. So the brain cannot differentiate between a physical threat and a social threat. So me sending that email, that was a social threat. Why? Because, right. you know, I'm going to get, you know, they're going to look at me and I'm going to be kicked out. Or they're going to be so upset. My boss is going to be so mad at me, like all of these things, right? So I had this automatic sort of stress feeling where, oh, <gasps> I'm in trouble. This is terrible. Nothing yeah. good can come out of this. Yeah, and so you know, I think when you're trying to recover from something like that, the best thing you want to do is yeah. to just pause. Okay. Let that feeling happen. It's automatic.
0: <sighs> I hate that feeling, though. You can't. I stop had it, it yesterday. Okay. And I was
1: fighting it like most of the day. Yeah. And I'm like, you can't. But that's the thing. You can't fight it. You have to let it come because it's going to come back if not. Let it let it feel like let it yeah. go. I know it's it's really really hard. And then the second thing you want to do is you want to label it.
0: Okay. Right. You want to because say, sometimes somebody gave me this quote this morning. Fear is like stealing. Yeah. And I'm that's like, a, oh my god. So yes. St- my it's, like my yes, day, your whole was, day stolen. was stolen
1: because you're obsessing over it. Right. Yeah.
0: Okay. Wait. So tell me it again. So, okay. So you want so to pause. Pause. Let label the feeling it. happen. Okay. And
1: then label it.
0: Okay. So when I label it, yep. then my mind does this ping-pong thing in yes. my head. Yes, Do you know what I'm talking yes, about, the ping-pong? absolutely. Pong? Like, um, it's a fear. No, it's not a fear. It's oh. a fear. No, it's not a fear.
1: Okay. So right? this is what you need to do. So you're exactly right. You're going back and forth. It's that teeter-totter. Picture that thing. It's about my teeter-totter. Set the, the emotional versus the rational. So labeling it takes you out of that immediate emotion. Even if you say, like, get a little more specific. Like, clearly it's a fear, but just say, Okay, I'm going to go back to my email example. You have your example, but oh my gosh, I'm I can't believe I just I just I really messed that up. Like I was really ignorant, or I like, get really specific of like what that thing that you theorist. just did is. Yeah. Oh, sub- about
0: what that thing okay. that you did.
1: Because what's happening is you can't get you can't stop thinking about it. It's yeah. Impossible, right? Your well, whole-
0: sometimes it's not necessarily something that I've done, but it's a fear that I have, maybe with a relationship, okay, or with something that I'm thinking might happen. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And it's that ping pong, ping pong, okay. ping pong, ping pong, ping pong. Yeah.
1: So in that case, what you want to do is just again. Go as much as you can to the logical, rational side okay get out of that emotional side as much as you can because it's not serving you well It's well negative.
0: and you are a friend of mine that i know you can get me to the logical side mm-hmm. i have other friends though that if i call them like i literally was thinking who can i call yesterday yeah. but i was like nope they're going to take me to the emotional side yeah that's no they're going to take yeah. my husband's really ver- very logical i can talk to him yeah yep. he gave me the logical side and you know what sarah you, but you go back to the emotional after that i did yeah
1: yeah it's i natural- ignored his logical yeah, side yeah. <laughs> oh my god (laughs) but but you understand the value of in that moment when you're being logical in that moment you can have a little more clarity yeah and yeah as soon as you go back to emotional at least what's cool about the ping i know the ping pong's frustrating but it's better than just being in the full emotion where you're like helpless right you (sighs) you can't do anything so getting the logical side allows you to sort of counteract if you will some of that emotion and hopefully that ping pong ends up being a little better where it's like okay now i'm getting more of the logical and be, until you can get past that initial shock of it, right? I mean, every I, every situation is different. I'm not saying this. It's gonna be the and same I don't not, I
0: don't want to sound like Debbie Downer on this, but but I told him last my husband last night. I said I was totally off on this fear. I got mm-hmm. I, at the end of the day, I got confirmation around the fear that was never a fear anyway. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. like I was worried about something that never came to fruition. Yeah, yeah that happens okay? all the time. Okay, mm-hmm. and I said to him last night, I go, I feel like I can't even trust myself. Like, oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. It was a little bit frustrating, yeah. But you know what? I'm going to learn from it, and I'm not going to do it again.
1: The, the, which is which is one of the most powerful things, which is awesome. And that the idea of someone that's resilient versus not.
0: Mm-hmm. The
1: person that's not resilient, is going to they're not going to be able to come out of that. The person that's resilient is going to say, you know what? What am I going to learn from this? Right. Right. And so I actually want to. I think to have a good takeaway of like there's so much packed into what it means to be resilient. Yeah. I want to just sort of put this idea to you that there's three R's.
0: Okay, wait. Hold up on the three yeah. R just really quickly. Yeah. So the fear, the pause, label it. Was there a third thing or just those two? Pause the, and label it. L-
1: pause and label it. Okay.
0: okay. Yeah. Okay. So okay. that we can
1: move And that's actually the first R, which is respect the feeling.
0: Okay. So these are my three R's yep. to, to being resilient. Resiliency. Yep. Okay.
1: So I love this. You need to respect that feeling. Don't try and push it off because when you do, it's going to come back. Let yourself fully feel it.
0: Like, breathe into it. Yeah,
1: just let yourself feel it. Your body, it's, remember, it's an automatic feeling. You cannot stop that automatic feeling. What you can stop is what you think about it and what you do about it. So, the labeling helps you start to get into what do I think about this? Okay. We'll get into what you're going to do about it, right? But at least it starts to get you off that cliff. Yeah. Now I know sometimes you mentioned you start to go back to the cliff and you come back, right? But it's a it's a process, and I'll tell you, the more you go through it, yeah, the more mature you're going to get with it, right? And you're going to be able to work through it because I'm
0: flexing my muscle, right? Or I'm, I'm yeah, you are. My it's muscle. the brain's
1: a muscle, absolutely. You're you're the flexing brain's it. a muscle. Yeah, think about it. It gets fatigued just like if I went and ran a marathon and tried to do something else active that day. Same with the brain. If I had this huge thing that I was doing for hours, and I tried to do my best thinking at evening, no, it's exhausted. It's a muscle. It fatigues just like everything else, right? Yeah, it's really important. So, so you know, back to the sort of the three R's. That was a
0: big thing for me. I'm sorry, yeah. just to interrupt really quick. Quickly, this concept of the brain as a muscle—that's something that I never really thought about before.
1: But you're you building resilience. You even creating this podcast. Yeah. To try and fail forward. Right. To talk about that. You're building your muscle. Yeah. You're getting stronger. You're, you know, you're reacting differently. You're not just letting yourself be a victim of something bad that happened to you. You're learning. You're oh, growing.
0: You're learning. That's the purpose That's of the these. whole point of it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Keep going. All right. Yeah. Three hours. No, that's all right. Sorry.
1: So, so the first one, right, is that respecting the feeling. Don't try and push past it. Just let it feel. I know you don't want to ruminate in it, but those are feelings And you need to respect that. You're going to have it. You can't stop it. The part you can stop is what you think about it, right? And so you label it. Okay. Okay. So once you've done that, and uh, I think like when I was talking about that example of when I sent that terrible email, if I would have taken action instead of respecting it, because sometimes we want to just take action right in the middle.
0: All the time I want to. Don't
1: take, right. My first thought was, oh my gosh, I need to go over there to his desk and like find him and like delete it before he sees it. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Really? Is that going to be a good... If I just sat down for Probst ten minutes, not. right. <laughs> the other thing I'm like, oh, I can do the recall function. We've all seen the recall where you try and recall an email, Does and it just even says work anymore. No, it just way. says recall. Someone's trying to recall, so it makes you want to open the email more, right? Because right. like, Ooh. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. Let me anyway. So my point is, is that you have those stress feelings. And so then you have stress thoughts that immediately go after it. So just don't act right away. Just respect it. Well, and I think
0: that whole like respecting it and labeling it, I think uh, to take it even further, like labeling the fact that you want to take action is a natural brain response. Yeah,
1: right, right. It is. It's very good. Okay. Um, Okay. So the second thing, the second R, is all about reframing. Okay. Okay. So before I get into the details of that, let's think about. Why do we reframe something? Like, we got to reframe how we look at that stress and the failure, because stress is actually necessary for growth. This is an overarching thing, right? But it's kind of what we're just talking about, right? Right, right, I mean, if I if I have a cast on my leg, and I have it on for two months, right? I'm not walking on it. If I take it off, what what happens? What's my leg look like after that? It's atrophied, right? Like there's missing muscle. Right. You have to keep. You have to walk again to build that back up. So if I don't have any stress, like let's say here's another great example. When I was uh, went back to grad school, I had to start writing a lot of papers. I mean, I hadn't written a paper in so long. Right. I was terrible at it. I mean, I had done it back in the day, but I had to almost relearn how to write papers. Yeah. you know. And so the point is, is without stress, you're not growing right. and you're actually weakening. So yeah. we should, I mean, it sounds a little bit of a reach, but like we should welcome that stress in yeah. our life as a, as a general thing. So that idea of failing, we should welcome failing. It's why failing forward is a positive thing. Because if we're failing... That means that we have to grow right. and we have to change something and we have to learn from something. So that's an overarching thing in terms of, you know, the second R of reframing. Just. Be- yeah. And,
0: and a lot of our speakers talk about um, the concept of a, like a pain or a suffering or a hardship with all of that comes something new. Yes. And positive.
1: Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so. The second, so that's the first thing I just want to say is reframe, like, think about that overall. Like, when you're in the middle of it, just be like, okay, it's going to be hard, but like, okay, you know what? This is terrible, but something's going to come out of this. Like, you can't see it in the moment. Yeah, yeah. But you've got to have that foresight to say, okay, I've got to reframe my thinking. Yeah. And the other really tactical way to do that, which I say is critical, is you need to picture that worst case scenario.
0: I've read that that picture, worst case scenario, and you can also, like, three years from now, will this be a big deal?
1: That's a great idea. Yeah, and it, if makes, it's like it gives no, you that realism of like, like in the moment you're so taken by this, and it's like, okay, big deal. But some of those things are big deals, right? I mean, so for sure. So if you can't, but even if you're having, I'll give you an example. Is another one of like when I was 21, I lost my dad, and you know, in the moment, I didn't realize this is what was happening at the time, but I came home. And my mom, I overheard her talking with her two sisters, who had, by the way, lost their husband but to divorce, like terrible divorces. And my mm-hmm. mom was talking to them. I was like watching her thinking, this is crazy. She's talking to them saying, you know what? I am so thankful that my husband loved me until the da- he, he died, but he loved me till the day he died. You guys dealt with a loss because you lost your husbands, but they also betrayed you. Mm-hmm. Like I'm sitting there thinking like, she's crazy. What But really, that was a great reframe. But for her, she reframed it to say, "You know what? I'm truly the worst case scenario is that he would have left me for another person, or what did something terrible, right? But the fact it was outside of his control that she felt better, she felt grateful. And so, you know, it's interesting. I I, that's great. I was of course devastated, right? I mean, I was angry. I was like, why me? All those things that we all go through. But I then was like, you know what? I have a really good friend that her. She, her dad walked on on her when she's a baby. She never had a father. Never had a father, you and I'm had like one
0: for 21 yes, years.
1: Yes, exactly. And so, you know, as in, as dis- much despair as I was in in that moment, I like was truly thankful. Yeah, like truly, I had that gratitude. And so, that reframing, that worst case scenario, is critical because that's the only way you can truly feel grateful in that moment because Perfect. you're going through something terrible. And so, what happens in the brain? is what you brought up earlier, right, when you have that high, is it's oxytocin okay. being submitted through your brain. Again, that's a feel-good chemical. And so that's really important because it gives you that sort of, you know, huge sort of boost, if you will, Okay, that you need because it's like almost like a, like a hidden little glimmer of hope because you're in this, like, ter- now that's one extreme example, right? We have different kinds of failures and things that get us down. But that gives you, like, a glimmer of hope and it helps you kind of move on, if you will, from that i've been awesome. able to have that worst-case scenario, so that's the reframing piece. Okay. So you've respected the feeling. You've reframed it. You've reframed it. And so you had arc. your first glimmer of hope, right? And the third one is carrying that on, um, which is really replacing your negative emotions with positives.
0: Okay. So give me an example.
1: So the so, you know, once I had that glimmer of hope with my dad, then I started looking around and I said, you know what? I am so thankful that all of my good friends from college left their classes, drove up to be with me while I was home. Right. I was so thankful that I had all my family there. We we're telling stories. Oh my gosh, like countless stories about him, right? About our dad and just having all that special time together. And I mean, most of all, I was thankful that I had a dad for those 21 years that I have so many memories and he shaped my value system. He shaped who I was. Like I had all these things that noth- that would not be ever taken from me. And so I started to replace all of those feelings of despair. I'm not saying that they, like, were gone. Yeah. But I think what happened, basically, and they talk about this from a science perspective, is it's, again, back to that teeter-totter where you have all this all this cortisol, right, of negative emotion pulsing through your body because you're so upset. When you have that first worst-case scenario of feeling of gratitude, it's the first time, like, a little bit of oxytocin comes to counteract. And when you keep adding positive thoughts into your mind, truly positive, you can't just, like, say something and don't believe it. You have to really believe those things. Then what it does is it produces more oxytocin and it starts to be an antidote to the cortisol. And so it literally, it's like the cortisol is really high and all of a sudden now you're letting the oxytocin come in and it starts to replace, which is what's happening in your brain. It's physically from the inside out, you're starting to feel better. I mean, it's certainly a long road, but it helps you in that moment. It's back to the why do some people crumble versus other people seem to grow back stronger? Well, if you have those steps that you've taken then all of a sudden I was like you know what there's a part of me that wants to just like my professors were like hey if you need to take the rest of the semester I was like you know what no I can't stop like I need to go on I need to go back I just went back to my normal life and I'm not saying I forgot about it but you know I mean there was certainly because of those first steps it helped give me that strength to say I need to go on yeah and all of us can
0: so one of the things that I think is super interesting um, from a brain perspective is this concept of building a habit. Yes you have talked to me before about this and you mentioned replacing the negative emotion with positive um, but how like re- replacing mm-hmm. an old habit with a new yes, habit which yes. if we talk about resiliency here and how you want to grow this muscle mm-hmm. you got to create habits Yeah. so can you just yep. give us just a, a short tutorial yep. on how the brain creates habits Yes.
1: I, you're right this is absolutely critical because even if I sit here and tell you like those are the three R's right like you need to respect the feeling reframe it and then replace with positive, unless you've decided to create that a habit, doesn't matter. And so you hit on a couple of important things. The first is that we have all these habits, and they're actually most of them are good, right? We think of a habit as, oh, I've got this bad habit of smoking, or right. I've got this bad habit of eating really bad late at night or whatever it is. But most of our habits are actually good, and we need them, right, to be able to function. Um, but it's really important to know that you can't completely eliminate an old habit. But what you can do is you can create a new one, Really, really easily. Okay. So there's all this wiring in our brain. And I know we probably have talked about this, but this idea of like picture this field. Okay. Okay. And let's say there's a pathway where people have walked on this trail. Right. Okay. And so it's pretty ingrained. It's like deep down a trench of where people have walked. That you could say is a very mature habit. So okay. picture your brain as a field. It's no a grass habit. there. No grass. It's like a big it's trench. Just... The dirt's all, you know, wrought out whatever, if it will. And so that's something that's very automatic to you. It's second nature. It's right? like
0: when I get up in the morning, I put my right foot on the floor first. Yeah.
1: yeah. Or like, you know, you drive to work and you've gone there for 10 years. You don't even know how to get to work. I don't remember driving. Right. You don't have to think about it. It's just something that's automatic. Your brain knows how to do it. And so, basically, that is something that, let's say you decide that you didn't want to do that anymore. Like, you can't get rid of that pathway in your brain. It's always going to be there. Now, if you don't use it in a while, yeah, that thing that had no grass, grass can overgrow it, but it's still underneath it, right? Okay. So it might not be as prominent in the future if you're not using it, if you're not going on that same pathway, but it's still going to be there. The key is, to your point, is how do we create a new habit? Well, the first thing you need to do is have a connection. So maybe this connection today would be, you know what, I want to learn to be more resilient. I have a hard time recovering from bad things that happen to me, so I'm going to try the three R's. So you've made a commitment. You say, okay, I've learned something new, and that's a new connection in your brain. So back to that same field, it would be as if you walked across it for the first time. You wouldn't even be able to see that path yet, right? You'd have all this grass, and so maybe if you walked over it ten times... Then you'd see a little bit of the grass being removed because you've walked that same path a lot. And so, for your brain, you need repetition. You need to keep doing something over. Now, this whole 21 days to form a habit that's doesn't just work. That's a gimmick. Does it? That's a gimmick that someone's been. Now, think about it every habit's a little different sure. to make, too, right? Some habits, if you're trying to not smoke anymore that's an ingrained cut out diet coke I mean yeah sure like that's something that's ingrained so hard that like you can't you need to replace it with something different yeah and you're going to probably you're also going to revert back to the other habit sometimes right
0: oh tell me about it that's
1: okay you need to forgive yourself again it's not you it's your brain you need to forgive yourself for that and move on and say okay I'm going to build up that new habit again so you know I'm talking generally about the habit thing but think about resilience as it's just another habit. And that sounds weird, but like so many of these things that we say, oh, I'm just this way. I I was just born that way. And by the way, scientists have found that there is a small component to your genes that give you propensity to be more resilient than someone else, perhaps, or less. Hmm. Very, very small. That's only such a small part of the story. So most of
0: it's environment.
1: So most of it is your environment and it's your choice, right? So if I sit here and say, well, I was I was born that I was born like I just not that resilient. That's bull. You can. It's your choice. You know, you're gonna you can choose to be more resilient. And so again, to build that habit, make that connection and walk that same pathway or repeat that same habit. And it, it can be done in different ways too. You could do it in partial. You could sit here and tell someone else what you did. That's another way of doing it. You right. could teach someone else how to do it that's yes. another one. i mean there's many ways to do it. i'm not saying you have to did the exact same thing again
0: but well for me a i i totally agree with the habit but my biggest aha was around this um the the respect it which is really the first of the mm-hmm. three r's yeah you know the pause and label it and not action around it which it's is so hard which not is to do totally so any last minute tips uh words of wisdom
1: I mean, I think the biggest thing, especially that talks about what you just shared, is just this, we all have that feeling, and it's up to us whether we say, woe is me, I have this feeling, or I'm going to say, you know what, I need to change that. I can't have my thoughts and actions resemble that bad feeling because it's not going to be a good outlook. It's up to me to say, woe is me, is my feeling, and I need to just move past that and say, I'm going to do something different. And that's really what it's about. It's, it's really, we've talked about this before, it's really simple, it's not easy, but I like to say that resilience is like brushing your teeth because it is something that is simple. The three R's, it's very simple and it's something that can be automatic. You can do it without even thinking about it. It can be automatic if you make be. that choice. If you practice it. And I would say because like- the brain is a muscle. It is a muscle. So if you, you give me a couple examples of this, like you have learned that habit to be resilient. It's just the plain and simple. So, if someone that hasn't, that's not a, well, you know, a helplessness you. thing. It's something that and there's also growth out of it. So, it's a positive, right? You're always you always grow from it. There's something you've learned, and there's something more. Like with my father passing, it was like I went back and jumped in, but I I felt like I was more feeling and more empathetic and more all of these things, not just sad feelings but happy feelings. And so, you always can make the choice to learn from that as opposed to just crumble at it.
0: Well. That's perfect. I love the three R's. And I'm, sh- I'm sure that everybody listening will too, because it's super helpful. And uh, the brain is a muscle. Thank you, Sarah, so <laughs> much for you. being here today. I want to thank everyone behind the scenes, Anna Bulky, our producer, and the incredible team at Gwyn Sound. If you liked this episode, please, please go to iTunes, subscribe, rate, and write a review. On the next episode, I interview Rob McDonald, an attorney and one of the founders of The Brandery, which is a Cincinnati-based startup accelerator. We talk about failure in the venture capital world, and also, is there a difference in society's acceptance of men failing versus women? More on that on the next episode.